Hey everybody, this podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport. They're the official travel partner for the Seattle Seahawks. You can get great travel deals and tickets uh, on primesport.com for both home and road games. In fact, you can get 10% off the Game of the Year package, which takes you to New Orleans during Halloween weekend if you use code HAWK10 when purchasing that package. I will be there. I'll be at the pregame party. It'll be great to see you guys there. And looking forward to having Prime Sport as a sponsor all year. And as you know, all proceeds to hawkblogger.com go directly to Ben's Fund. I take it in, but don't look down. I'm on top of the world. Welcome back, everybody. New season, same podcast. This is Brian Nemhauser, uh, Hawk Blogger at hawkblogger.com, slash hawkblogger on Facebook, and at hawkblogger on Twitter. Hopefully not too hard to remember. Um, we're back. We're back, folks. It's uh, It's been a long off-season. A lot of things have gone on. Uh, Life for me has been pretty crazy, so you haven't seen necessarily as many podcasts going up or as, as much content, um, although now that the season started, I can't help myself. I'm, I'm way back into the swing of things and um, eager to start talking about what we've, what we've observed, even just um, a few weeks into games being back, um, one game being official, um, but a lot of stuff's gone on, so... Let's get right to it. Seahawks head into this week facing a Los Angeles Rams team, which I'm sure we will all call St. Louis multiple times, potentially multiple times in this podcast. And I wrote an article yesterday kind of looking at what has been a bizarre, bizarre series um, between the Seahawks and Jeff Fisher's Rams. Jeff Fisher started with the Rams in 2012. And during that time, the Seahawks are 4 and 4 versus the Rams. They're 42 and 14 versus every other team in the NFL they've played. So there's no other team that's actually had that's played the Seahawks more than once and had a winning record. There's no other team that's played the scene the Seahawks more than twice and had a 500 record. So you're talking about, you know, there's teams like the, the Colts and the Chargers that have played the Seahawks once in those four years and and beaten them. Um, but other than that, you're looking at teams like the Lions and the Dolphins. They're 1-1. One and one. The Dolphins certainly uh, wish they would be 2-0 and oh and think they should be. I think the Lions would probably say the same thing after uh, their heartbreaking loss in Seattle last year as well. But really, you're looking at the Rams as the legitimate thorn in the Seahawks' sides during this period of time. That doesn't come as news to, to any Seahawks fan. Um, some of that, you know, people have assigned all sorts of things. They've assigned it to playing in 10 a.m. games in this empty 
dome in St. Louis where nobody would attend and you know it was hard for the team to get up for it they'd blame it on special teams they'd blame it on the offensive line and Russell Wilson getting sacked they blame it on a bunch of things you know this is almost a twilight zone of Seahawks football when you play the Rams and it is nearly impossible to predict what's going to happen because a lot of the laws that govern and predict Seahawks success don't seem to apply when they play the Rams. Let me give you a couple examples. So when the Seahawks um, play the Rams, I think most people, first thing they point to, and certainly this week with Russell Wilson's injury, point to that pass rush, that defensive line in particular. You've got Aaron Donald, you've got Robert Quinn, used to have uh, Kyle Long, is it Kyle Long? It's not Kyle Long. It's Chris Long. Sorry, too many Longs in the world. And they, they've sacked Russell Wilson more than any other team during this time. But when I went back and, and wrote this article, the, the 10 facts um, about this bizarre series between the Rams and the, the Seahawks that you really should know, number six fact on that list, Wilson has been sacked 15 times in the four losses against the Rams and 20 times in the four wins. <laughs> so reiterating that for a second, um, yeah, Russell Wilson gets sacked more often when they win playing St. Louis than when they lose. Now, they are L.A., but I was specifically mentioning St. Louis. So, you know, I, I, I think that a lot of folks are worried about how things will go this week relative to Wilson's ankle. I think that's all fair. Um, but history shows so far with these teams that pass pressure for the Rams is not a determining factor in you know figuring out who's going to win and who's going to lose. One of the things that's, that's going to be interesting to watch this weekend is I think we have seen Pete Carroll and Tom Cable be very aware of different pass rushing situations for, um, you know, when they've had injuries to Russell Okung, um, you know, and they plug people in. It's generally been an injury along the offensive line where they kind of make some changes to, to help combat things. Well, this week I think they're going to be very protective of Wilson, and I think the way that they're going to be protective of Wilson is one, which is tried and true. I think you'll see them keep some players in more often to protect. So you might see more two tight end sets. You might see Brandon Williams in more often. You may see um, Will Tukuafu in at fullback more often. Um, there's some different options for how they can, can take care of that. Additionally, I think what you're going to see is an even greater emphasis on Russell Wilson getting rid of the ball quickly, making quick decisions, um, not giving the Rams time to get to him. And so, you know, I think that is going to be a good thing for Seattle. I think Russell's going to be encouraged to, to get rid of the ball and live to fight another day. That may be frustrating for some Seahawks fans. If nobody's open and it leads to quick incompletions, then, you know, the Seahawks will punt and they'll trust their defense and they'll come back out on offense and try again. So uh, I think Seahawks fans should be prepared for the, the team to really emphasize keeping Russell healthy 
more than, you know, trying to move the ball at all costs. We'll see how, how well Russell, uh, adheres to that plan. He is stubborn and, and, uh, willful, you know, he is, he is a winner. And so when he gets in those situations, it's going to be hard to, for him to accept that his mobility needs to be, um, limited or that his health needs to be a priority. He's only going to be thinking about winning, which is really what he should be doing. Um, and hopefully the coaches get through to him that winning is a long-term prospect, not a one series, one play or one game prospect. So they need him over the course of the year. Um, they need him to stay upright. Another way that they're going to keep some of that pass pressure off of Russell Wilson is I think you're going to see a more committed run game this weekend. And uh, it's not that Seahawks didn't run the ball a lot last week, 32 times in fact, but they definitely had it as the secondary uh, method of their attack. Um, The primary was passing last week with 43 pass attempts, which was a career high for Russell Wilson. Some of his other career highs um, in pass attempts have come against the Rams, 41 pass attempts in in past years. So interesting here um, to see kind of how they play that out. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of swing passes to guys like Doug Baldwin and to Tyler Lockett. I think Tyler Lockett's going to be in position to have a bounce back game. Um, And I think they're going to hope that those guys can make plays with their feet um, on quick passes to gain some of those short yardage, um, you know, some of those, those short gains to set up shorter third downs and, and keep the chains moving. So I think there's multiple methods that they can use to keep the pressure off Wilson. I think it's unrealistic to expect that he's not going to take some hits. Um, this is a, uh, a, a Rams team that is going to be as focused as they can possibly be. Uh, they are going to be opening at home. They're going to be coming off of a huge crushing defeat in San Francisco that left them honestly uh, under the gun a little bit. Um, That was a game that most people expected they would win and at the very least be very competitive in. They were neither, and they did neither. So um, that's going to be a situation to watch and and see this this Rams team really come out and try to make a point. It's going to be important for the Seahawks, especially that offense, <clears throat> to weather the early storm. And if possible, give that crowd reason to be apathetic. Give that crowd a reason to doubt. And, you know, any early Seahawks success would likely lead to that. Um, and let's switch over to talking about the offense for the Rams, because honestly, I think if you see that offense struggle, you're going to hear some boos come out early. And um, as I kind of return to this article I had written, the number nine fact I have on that list really points to the defense for the Seahawks being more important in this series than the offense. And the fact there is that the Rams have averaged 26 points in their four wins against the Seahawks during the Jeff Fisher era and just nine points in their four losses. Listen to that again. The Rams have averaged 26 points in their four wins and nine points in their four losses. That is a crazy swing. 
And what that really indicates is that you've got a Rams team that has found a way to put up points. This is a terrible offense. It has been a terrible offense throughout those four years. But what's happened is that they've found ways to score, and they've found ways not always on offense um, to score. We saw the Johnny Hecker touchdown pass on a fake field goal um, back in 2012 in the very first game. We've seen a Stedman Bailey punt return trick play for a touchdown in the second year where they kicked it, uh, John Ryan kicked it, all the Rams return people went over towards the punt returner, but the ball actually went the other direction. And so the Stedman Bailey was standing there by himself, raced all the way down the sideline for a touchdown. Seahawks actually used that same play last year uh, against the Bears. Uh, Richard Sherman took the, the punt back. <laughs> he couldn't score, but um, it's a clever play, very clever play. We've also seen... Tavon Austin take down a punt last year in the opener for a touchdown. So there's been a lot of special teams plays that have made a big difference. Brian Schneider has been outcoached severely in this series. Um, he can't have that happen again. <laughs> he needs to be on point. He needs to do a good job this week. And people talk about the offensive and the defensive coordinators Brian Schneider is as important or more important than either of those this week, um, judging by the way this series has gone. Now, it hasn't only been the special teams scoring points. Uh, this is a Rams team that was worst in the NFL last year in converting third downs. They only converted 26% of their third downs. And I don't have the number in front of me, but they went on some crazy streak where they were like, three of 45 or something like that over multiple games and converting third downs last year. Guess what? They came in to play the Seahawks and uh, in their first game of the season, I think they were six for 11 and um, their second game, I think they were five for 12. I mean, overall they converted 48% of their third downs against the Seahawks last year compared to just, you know, 26% overall, and if you really, if you pulled out their conversions against the Seahawks, they were, you know, probably a 20% third down conversion team against the rest of the NFL and 48% against the Seahawks. That's completely unacceptable. It's <laughs> crazy. This Seahawks defense should dominate, absolutely dominate that Rams offense. You know what's coming you know that they're going to try to establish Todd Gurley. All eyes on Todd Gurley. You know that their only real threat in the passing game is Kenny Britt. You place Richard Sherman on Kenny Britt, and you have him trail him. Or you have Deshaun Shedd pick him up when he's on that side. Either of those guys, I think, is capable of playing against him. That's all they have. They've got Lance Kendricks now at tight end, who's okay. Um, Jared Cook was somewhat of a, a threat last year. He's gone. Uh, you know, Benny Cunningham is a guy that can take some swing passes and is definitely a decent running back. But folks, I mean, this, this is a team that should struggle to score 10 points against the Seahawks. It'd be hard and they shouldn't get any touchdowns, none. So 
that's going to be really important. The Seahawks came out last week against the Dolphins and played one of their best, most sound defensive games I've seen them play in years. And yes, I saw Earl Thomas lose a guy behind him, lose Kenny Stills, who should have caught it for a touchdown. Yes, I saw missed tackles early in the game. Yes, I saw Cassius Marsh blow an assignment and give up a 50-yard play to Arian Foster. I saw all those things. I'm not blind to them, but what I also saw was that the Seahawks were on point in being in position and giving the Dolphins all sorts of trouble in finding open places. There were not there were not guys really running free, um, you know, when the Seahawks were on their assignments. Um, there's, were not guys that were being burned because they couldn't cover. Um, it was a really sticky game for that secondary. And I also saw a pass rush that I haven't seen in years. It was really reminiscent of the 2013 squad and people, I think oversell the pass rush of the 2013 team. It was a good pass rush, but it was not. You know, the the top sacker for that team was Michael Bennett with seven and a half sacks. This was not a team that had some 20-sack guy that no one could control. They kind of came from a lot of different places, and they just applied consistent pressure, and they broke down that pocket, and they made the quarterback uncomfortable and made him move off of his spot. And I saw some of that last week against the Dolphins. You had five different players collect sacks. You saw... Um, even players like Bobby Wagner, who didn't get a sack, absolutely destroy Ryan Tannehill and some blitzes. People forget Bobby Wagner had five sacks in 2013. He hasn't had more than one sack, I think, since then. So, you know, I was impressed with what I saw from that group um, early on. Now they've got to turn that and apply that to this Rams team. And for God's sakes, they've got to stop the run. They have the people to do it. Um, they need to be really clear and, and committed to doing that. And if, if they can stop that run, then you know, you're basically letting forcing Cam Case Keenum to to beat you. And God, if he does, geez. I mean, last year the Rams came into the Seattle and beat the Seahawks with Case Keenum at quarterback. And guess what? He had fewer yards passing against the Seahawks in that game last year than he did against the 49ers in week one this year. So that was my fact number three, which is uh, Keenum threw for more yards against the 49ers this week than he did when beating Seattle last year. And specifically, he threw for 130 yards this week and completed 17 passes against the 49ers. He had 103 yards and 14 completions um, against the Seahawks last year. So I think people have uh, this belief, and in general, that quarterback play determines in many ways, more than anything else, whether a team can win that week. That really hasn't been the case in this series. Um, You know, Austin Davis had 150 yards passing, 155, I should say. you know, Sam Bradford had like a 63 passer rating um, in a game and one. Kellen Clemens had 158 yards with no touchdowns and two interceptions 
in 2013 against the Super Bowl, eventual Super Bowl champion Seahawks. And still, he had them down at the one-yard line with a chance to throw a winning touchdown before Brandon Browner broke it up. So this series has not been reliant on the Rams getting positive quarterback play. You know, and, and so what I think is a bigger indicator um, as I've looked at this series is do the Seahawks take the ball away from the Rams? And, you know, in this case, the Seahawks are three and one against the Rams when they get two or more takeaways. Um, I think when you get, uh, I think when you get a Seahawks team that can pull the ball off of, of the Rams quarterbacks, um, it changes, it changes the game. So when you've, you've got, um, Keenum last, last year had one touchdown and no interceptions. That was the most important part of his stat line, not the 103 yards, not the 15 completions. So the Seahawks, I felt like last week were dominating enough that they were on the cusp of starting to see those turnovers come their way. Um, there were a couple tipped balls that if there was just somebody in the area, they could have made a play and it didn't quite happen. And I'm hoping to see that turn this week against the Rams to where they suffocate so much that a ball gets forced, that there's pressure enough that a ball gets forced, that Keenum is erratic enough that the Seahawks are in the right place to make a play. This team, this defense needs to start taking the ball off of opponents. That needs to start, and it's a big part of being a, a championship team. It's a habit. It's uh, an instinct. Um, I know that a lot of teams have gotten very conservative with the Seahawks and how they attack them, and a lot of short passes, and it's a little harder to get those turnovers. Um, once the Seahawks really get their legs under them and believe in their fundamentals and their communication and what's coming in their film study, then they can take a few more chances. Uh, they can lean a little forward, and they can hopefully come away with the ball a little bit more often. Now, behind that um, is my fact number four, which is the Seahawks are 4-1 and one when they get at least one interception uh, against the Rams. So, you know, that's... I'm trying to look and see for a second. Sorry for my pause here. Um, the only time the Seahawks picked off a Rams quarterback and lost was in 2012. And that was Russell Wilson's first game as a rookie playing against the Rams. And he tossed three interceptions of his own. <laughs> you know, when, when your own quarterback throws three interceptions, it's going to be hard to overcome. Um, so I would read that as basically the Seahawks are undefeated when they get at least one interception uh, against this Rams team. So that's going to be, I think, a key factor in this game. Um, people are going to talk a lot about Russell Wilson. They're going to talk a lot about pass protection. They'll probably talk about Todd Gurley next um, and how important he will be. The Seahawks' pass defense and their ability to take the ball away from Case Keenum is going to be a bigger factor than either of those other two things in determining the outcome of this game. Now, I, I will admit that that uh, Todd Gurley 
um, and his ability to run obviously makes it more or less likely um, for the Rams to have to throw and to be in, un- in you know, unfavorable throwing situations that can more likely lead to turnovers. But when it comes down to it, I think that pass defense is going to have to be on point. Now, it's worth calling out fact number seven here, which is that the Seahawks have averaged fewer rushing yards and wins against the Rams than they have in losses. Um, this is part of the twilight zone aspect of this series. Um, you've got a Seattle team that's averaged 110 yards rushing in their four wins and 133 yards rushing in their four losses. Um, that included two games where they rushed for over 170 yards. Uh, and it goes to it really applies to the Rams as well. Um, the Rams have averaged fewer yards per carry when they win than when they lose. So, you know, people will talk about Todd Gurley, and I get it; they should. But that has not been the barometer for for who wins. It's been special teams. So that one's an accurate one. It's not a myth. It's a truth. It's a fact. Um, it's been about the Seahawks defense and in particular, the Seahawks defense ability to take the ball away from the Rams. Those are the things that matter most. Even you guys have heard me trumpet the power of third down differential. This was a proper predictor or, you know, correlation between Seahawks victories, more a stronger correlation between this and victory than turnovers turnover margin, which Pete Carroll always talks about. And again, to remind you, third down differential is if you go five for 10 and your third down conversion is 50% for that game and your opponents go two for 10 and so their conversion is 20%, then you take 50% minus 20% and your third down differential is 30%. Now, this is my stat. I don't think anyone else tracks this or talks about this this is something i track and it correctly predicted um and the statisticians out there will quibble with the the word predicted but um it definitely correlated with 15 out of the 16 games that the seahawks played last year whoever won the third down differential won the game in 15 out of 16 times there was one time that wasn't true um I'm trying to remember which that was off the top of my head. Could have very well been one of the Rams games, to be honest. Um, But as powerful as that predictor is, um, it did not apply to this game, uh, to this series. The the team that won um, the third down differential lost multiple times. So, you know, it it, it (laughs) can't even rely on that um, like we've relied on other things. But uh, this is going to be about defense. It's going to be about taking the ball away. Um, I do think that it's also going to be about how the special teams plays and whether the Seahawks can put themselves in position to have shorter field, whether they can put the Rams in position to have a longer field. That's going to be a silent battle here. Um, that will have a lot to do with with how this game plays out. Um, another piece to pay attention to is whether the, we will see the seventh Rams quarterback um, 
in nine games uh, against the Seahawks since Fisher started. The, the expectation now is Case Keenum will start, and I think that's what's going to happen. But if he's playing a half that is as bad as what we saw against the 49ers, I think you could very well see a backup come in, and that backup might be Jared Goff. And I don't know if you guys watched Hard Knocks, but not the smartest guy on the on the planet, and also not a guy that a lot of people seem to have much confidence in. Um, there are a lot of unspoken things um, about how they handled Jared Goff, about what how teammates regarded him, about how announcers. Um, people that are close to the team kind of talked about him <laughs> and, and also just the way he played that should give people pause. But all that said, the guy's a, most likely a better quarterback than Case Keenum. Maybe not right now. Um, not necessarily uh, a winning quarterback, but he can make throws that Case Keenum cannot make. And so you could see a situation where you get a different quarterback in who plays a different style and can do different things. That could be a factor. More likely than not, it'll be a negative factor for the Rams, but we've seen situations before where, gosh, I mean, remember, uh, was it Russell Wilson's first game uh, against the Cardinals? I'm trying to remember. It was one of the games down in Arizona where they started one quarterback, and I'm spacing, they've had so many other players kind of come in there and then um who was that guy that they acquired um this is gonna bug me I'm gonna have to look this up it was a guy that they had that's right it was John Skelton who started this game this was Russell Wilson's first ever game and Skelton was a disaster and then he I think got hurt and Kevin Cobb Remember the name Kevin Cobb? Uh, he, he was traded for and was supposed to be their starter and, and never really materialized. But for that one game, he was 6 for 8, 66 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. And the Seahawks lost due to that one touchdown. Um, so <laughs> you never know in these games um, how it's going to play out. And you never know with an a substitute quarterback, how things, the team can rally around him, things can happen. I have to admit, I'd like to see Jared Goff play because I love the rookie quarterbacks against the Seahawks. <laughs> Jared Goff was a bit of a, a goofball um, from what I saw in Hard Knocks, and I feel like the Seahawks would eat him alive, and that would be pretty fun to watch. More likely than not, we'll just see Case Keenum, but we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that one for sure. Now, as we kind of look ahead to this Rams game, I think it's worth talking a little bit about the Dolphins game. And I know this is happening backwards. Normally you talk about what happened last week and then talk about what's going to come, but I think they're, they're intertwined. And a lot of people are wringing their hands about the same old things, right? Slow start, Seahawks offense, Seahawks offensive line. And I've been beating the drum that I think the Seahawks offensive line um, has the potential to be much better than it was last year and maybe even better than some of the lines we've seen in the past few years for the Seahawks. There wasn't a lot that happened last weekend that changed my mind about that. And let me tell you why. I, I think that 
one of the things we're going to find out is depending on health and, and those other things, I think we're going to find that that Dolphins defensive front is a lot better than people are giving it credit for. Uh, I think that Dolphins defense played a really, really good game. And I think that they, their defensive coordinator called a fantastic game. I had a couple conversations with folks um, close to the team and they admitted as much. Um, I think you even heard Doug Baldwin come on, uh, was it Sirius XM or one of the satellite stations and talk about, you know, that they, they had a good scheme for the Seahawks and I think they were anticipating a lot of things. So yes, I think Daryl Bevel didn't do a great job of adjusting or maybe the players didn't. It's hard to know, but I think the Dolphins defensive coordinator won that matchup. I think he was ahead and um, I think that the talent on that line is, is meaningful. I thought they were very stout. I think they were very tough. And even having said that, they did not have a field day rushing the passer. They ended up with three sacks. Yes, there were some holding calls. Yes, you know, Russell Wilson got hurt. It's all true. Six, there, there was... Um, three sacks in 43 pass attempts, which is just a 6.7% sack rate. And that would have been one of the best sack rates the Seahawks put up in the first seven games last year. They were giving up sack rates of 12, 14% of every pass attempt was resulting in, resulting in a sack. Uh, so, and that was not against defensive fronts that were very talented in many cases. This is a talented defensive front. Say what you want, and Dominican Sue is, if not the best defensive tackle in the league, he is equal to pretty much any defensive tackle out there. So I think you got to adjust expectations there. I think a, a fan on, on Twitter made a good comment, I thought, after the game, which was, you know, the Seahawks in 2013 won a game 12 to 7 on the road against the Panthers. And the Panthers at the time were not a particularly well regarded team. They went on to, you know, I think win that division, um, had one of the best defenses in the NFL that year. And people didn't know that at the time, and they were worried. Turned out that that, that defense was damn good. We might, I don't know if the Dolphins are the equivalent of the 2013 Panthers defense, but I think they're pretty good. I think they're pretty good. I also thought that there was some opportunity in the run game, and I was a little surprised the Seahawks would get some traction with the run game and then go away from it. I don't know. They were not, they didn't start many series with a run. They didn't run back to back. Um, very often it was just kind of scattered throughout and Kristen Michael averaged 4.4 yards a carry that's not bad uh, it certainly you know to me begged for more opportunity than I think he got I think if Kristen Michael had gotten 20 carries instead of 15 it might have been a different game I don't think it would have been a blowout by any stretch but I think I think the team would have been better off so I do think you might see a little bit more commitment to the run 
this game against the Rams, especially early on. Uh, and it won't just be because of the Russell Wilson injury. I think that I think this team is better off when they establish that physical nature and when they lean forward and not, you know, get into pass protection right away. Um, I already talked to you about the defense. I thought the defense played really well. I think that Russell Wilson made some really nice throws. I think that um, there were some timing throws. There were some back shoulder fades that are pretty advanced throws. And he made, a, you know, probably three of those, maybe four of those in the game to different players. Paul Richardson got one. Jermaine Kearse got one. Um, I think Tyler Lockett and him had a couple really nice hookups on timing plays that ended up, you know, Lockett wasn't able to hold on to. I think there were some positive signs there and nothing that was really that alarming to me. It was very disappointing because, you know, if they lose that game, it doesn't matter any of the nuance. It just matters that you lost your opener against a team you really have to beat. Um, but they won. So honestly, I'm not, I'm not worried about those other pieces. I think what we're going to see now is a Seahawks team that this is a pivotal game. This is a this is a you know you win this game, you're looking at two and zero, you're looking at hosting the 49ers, and that should absolutely lead to three and zero. And you don't want to get too far ahead of yourselves as a player, as fans. We can do whatever we want. You win this game, you really set yourself up for a really positive season. Um, the way I think they're going to be set up anyway. You lose this game. Uh, and you're one and one and, you know, you still have a chance to go to two and one. And then you've got the Jets in New York, which I think is a tough, tough, tough game, especially if Jermaine Effetti is still out. Hopefully he'll, maybe he'd be back by then, but you really want to go at least three and one in your first four. Um, and you, you know, if you want to get to 13 wins, you're going to have to have an undefeated stretch of four somewhere in there. And at least within your four game group. So I, I think that this is a this is a situation where the Seahawks should win. I don't think there's any doubt that the Seahawks should win against the Rams. That's never been a factor in deciding who does win. The Rams have been terrible for years. They've always played them tough. So um, this is going to be a, a great game. I have a good feeling about this one. Um, there have not been many of these games um, between the Rams and the Seahawks that have been comfortable. Um, and when I look at when I look at this matchup, you're looking at a, a, a couple teams that in let's see, out of those eight games, Two of them have been decided by more than one score. Two. Um, out of those eight games, let's see. One, two, three, four, five. Five have been decided by six points or less. Um, so, you know, the only two times the Seahawks, you know, won by any comfortable margin, so to speak, was... Um, 2013, the, the, the last game of that regular season, they won 27 to nine. 
if you remember that game, it wasn't that comfortable either. <laughs> it really wasn't. Um, you know, they also in 2014 won 20 to six. Uh, that was their other, you know, somewhat comfortable victory. Uh, those games are both at home. Um, they have at St. Louis, you know, the one game that they won during this series was a 14 to nine win in 2013. It was a brutal game. Russell got sacked seven times. Uh, they, they just could not move the ball. The Rams outgained them like 330 yards to a hundred and something. It was terrible. They found a way to win that game. Um, you know, it's going to be a brutal battle, but my gut, for whatever reason, is telling me that the Seahawks are going to win this game by 14 points or more. And unfortunately, I've, I've had those feelings before with this particular matchup and been completely wrong. Uh, this time, I, I think I'm going to be right. I think the, the, the Seahawks... I think the Seahawks are, are set up for a good run this year. I think that this game is going to be a little bit of a trial by fire for how this offense is going to evolve. But I think what you're going to see is a defense reestablish itself as the dominant force in the NFL. And I think you're going to see an offense that plays a gritty game like they always do and finds a way to get into the end zone. Um, I think we're going to see a couple touchdowns and I think the Rams are going to, you know, struggle to get into the end zone. And I think that's going to likely be the difference in this game. And I think that you're going to see a little bit. The key thing for me is, you know, Seahawks have got to get turnovers. They have to make that happen. So I have a good feeling about that part of it. And that's part of why I have the most confidence um, about this matchup. So with that, I will leave you for week one. Thank you guys um, for joining. And thank you to Prime Sport, our sponsor for this podcast all season and all the podcasts that I do. Prime Sport does a great job of getting people travel packages for Seahawks games, and they do tailgate parties ahead of the game um, that you can find online. So information on the blog about that. Um, everybody take care and uh, enjoy the Hawks this week.